Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another short news flash podcast from PortugueseSoccer.com. My name is John Neves, dropping this episode on Friday night, October the 30th. I hope you are all doing very well. Glad to be back. Was unable to drop an episode last week. Uh, schedule didn't allow it, but glad to be back tonight to talk about our favorite topic, the Liga. Uh, and I'll be back in the next few days dropping another quick episode. I uh, got a great interview lined up. Uh, with Nino Torres, who is the play-by-play English TV announcer for Gold TV in North America. And we're going to talk a lot about uh, TV and the Liga and the production and how does one get the rights to Portugal. I, I've always had a lot of questions about how that works. Um, and, of course, we'll also talk about you know what goes on on the pitch and his opinion about Porto Benfica, Sporting, Braga. And you know since he does so many of their games, sometimes he does them on his own which, by the way, is not an easy thing to do. So I'll be dropping that episode uh, in the next uh, few days. So really glad to have Nino on to talk about uh, the Liga. And again, he's with Gold TV, which is based in uh, North America. But the questions I'll be asking, though, um, anybody around the world would have an interest in it because uh, I'm very curious to know how it works with working with the clubs in uh, Portugal. Um, but like I always do in any podcast, let me talk about the schedule first. Uh of course, tonight, week six started, Passos de Ferreira defeating Porto 3-2. to two. I'll talk about that in a few moments. Uh, week six then continues Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, the matches of note this weekend remaining, uh, Sporting host Tundela on uh, Sunday. And then Monday night, the Europa teams have to play. Uh, Braga plays Familia Kong in a great matchup of two teams from up north. And then, of course, uh, Benfica will be going to Porto to play Boa Vista at Estadio de Bessa. That's the match, by the way, that will be on RTP International this week, uh, TV or satellite, how, depending on how you get it. But that's the uh, one match this week that you could watch uh, from abroad if you don't have uh, a gold TV or um, free sports or some of the other things that people watch uh, you know, around the world. Um, but uh, and then of course on uh, Tuesday, uh, you know European competition returns with the Champions League, third straight week of European competition. Um, obviously, with the fact that the European competition started in October, the condense the schedule has been condensed, and that's why you're seeing back to back to back matches being played. Porto on Tuesday will be playing at home against Marseille and uh, Portuguese manager Andres Vilas Boas. Uh, Vilas Boas, by the way, wants to one day be the president of Porto. Uh, but when he comes in on Tuesday night, of course, he's going to be looking for the three points. Marseille have zero points after two matches. Porto have three points but beat the Olympiacos uh, this past week. And, of course, it's all about second place in the group. And Porto could take a very big step for second place if they could beat Marseille and keep them with zero points or even at the very least draw with them. Uh, I think City too strong in this group, and I really see them winning it outright. But uh, who knows? Maybe they come uh, to Porto in December, and maybe the match is for something off first place. But at the end of the day, Porto needs to worry about the three points on Tuesday. So anyway, Champions League football on Tuesday night. Uh, Thursday night, Europa. Both Portuguese teams, by the way, have been doing very well in Europa. Braga has won their two matches. They're going to be at Leicester. Uh, I think a draw would be a fantastic result for Braga. And then, of course, later on that night at 20 hundred hours, 
Uh, Benfica will be hosting Glasgow Rangers, one of the two big teams from Scotland. Um, Benfica right now, six points. Rangers with six points. And uh, if Benfica could pull out the three points, that would go a long way toward winning the group. Um, and of course, uh, Benfica, with all the money they spent, it's pretty much a Champions League team, like the uh, coach of Lech Poznan said last week. You know, this is a Champions League team that's competing, competing in Europa and, uh, you know, winning against Glasgow, which won't be easy, but certainly doable, will go a long way toward helping Benfica win the group and perhaps maybe being able to rest their players for the later matches. But again, it won't be, um, you know, very easy uh, match as Braga learned, you know, uh, when they were eliminated by Glasgow Rangers earlier this year. Also on Thursday, by the way, Fernando Santos will be announcing his squad for the upcoming matches in November. Uh, Andorra, which is a friendly, and then, of course, the big uh, match for first place against France. And then, of course, the finish out the group play in the League of Nations group against uh, Croatia. So that'll take place on Thursday at 12.30 from Cidadu Football. And then right after, probably about an hour after, uh, Rui George then will announce his under-21 roster for their matches. They're also playing three matches, uh, including the match that got postponed because of COVID issues with Belarus. So some very busy matches coming up for the under-21 team, which, by the way, is loaded with talent. So it's always a lot of fun to uh, watch them play. But now talking about the league and, of course, starting with uh, tonight's result, um, what's there to say about Porto right now? Um, they've lost eight points in the Liga. Uh, Pep couldn't play tonight because his COVID test was inconclusive. Uh, after the match, his second test proved to be negative. So that's good news for Porto on Tuesday playing Marseille and, of course, for the national team. But Porto right now, their defense is like Swiss cheese, um, very leaky. Um, you know, when they lost to Maritimo, it was also 3-2. to two. Now they lose again tonight, 3-2. to two. Um when Porto won the league, the title last season, um, they finished, you know, when play stopped and then resumed those final 10 matches. In those last four to five matches, their defense, including when they won the Tasa of the Portugal, was practically near perfect. It's the opposite right now. And you also have a situation with Porto right now where they got some players onto the team right before the transfer deadline. Um, and... Some of these players are still trying to adapt to the team, to integrate into the team and pick up the philosophy that Sergio Conceição is trying to input in training every day. And it's a team in progress. It's, it's sort of a team, so to speak, under construction. And the problem with being under construction is when you're losing as many points as they have, you can't be under construction. And, you know, there's a lot of question marks, a lot of people questioning Sergio Conceição at some of his decisions. I've been surprised that Iranian striker Tereme, you know, remember how much he was in the news. He was practically on the kapas every day, the newspaper covers. Um, he's only been featured so far as a substitute. Uh, even Nielsen looks like he's going to be a great player, but his star still needs to shine more. Um, Zadu, I think, is going to be a fantastic player. Um, but... This is a Porto team that really is missing Telish. This is a Porto team that's missing Danilo. And this really is not the same Porto team that finished last season the way they did. Um, that's obviously to be expected. Conceição didn't really have 
a very big preseason. And, you know, they probably had some, you know, I know they're not happy with the officiating and the city match. But this is a team right now that is just not clicking on all cylinders and they're having a very big problem. And half the pain was the fact that they lost tonight. The other pain is what they could experience the rest of this weekend. Moody and Inns has a chance to go up, uh, leapfrog them in the standings. Porto has 10 points. If Moody and Inns beats Rio Ave, they'll jump to 11. I don't think that's going to happen, by the way. I think they'll they'll draw with Rio Ave. Sporting has a chance to go up six points on them if they beat Tundela. Braga has a chance to leapfrog them if they beat Familia Kong and go up to 12 points. And then, of course, your fierce rival has a chance to go eight points potentially up on you. And that is just a, you know, that's just not good in the early part of November. Um, And obviously, as we know, the last two years, um, the team that won it was trailing by like seven points in January and still went on to win the Liga. But you're talking about being this far behind now, you know, early November, potentially, if uh, Benfica, you know, beat Boavista. So um, a very dangerous situation uh, for Porto and a lot of question marks. They have a lot of work to do. And the truth of the matter is they can't afford to be a work in progress. They really need results. Um, But starting with the Champions League on Tuesday, they have an opportunity to help themselves in that competition. And then obviously they really need to go through a big run of not losing any points in the Liga and uh, that's not going to be very easy, but we'll see what happens. Uh, so while they're trending downwards, a team that's starting to trend up is a Sporting. Um, sporting, the last few years at this time of the year is when they dropped a lot of their points. Last year, they were also eliminated in the Taça de Portugal right around this time, you know, first week, second week of November. This year at this time, it's the opposite. Um, you know, you look at the Gilles Vicente match that they played earlier this week. Um, here's a situation where Gilles Vicente scores. They're up one to nothing. You've seen it before in past years where that probably would have been enough to beat Sporting. But Sporting comes back. They score two quick goals. And then they score another one to make it three to one toward the end of the match. An extra time, stoppage time. And they pull out the win. And when you look at sporting, the biggest thing about them is their younger players are contributing. Nunu Santos, Pote are really been terrific signings. Nunu Mens, I know he's being talked a lot with the Premier League teams. Mateus Nunes has been doing very well. Um, Tiago Tumaj has been scoring. Braganza had a fantastic assist the other night. Ruben Amorim is pressing all the right buttons. And this is a team that could potentially compete for the title. And about 10 episodes back, I had mentioned about how I thought that Sporting could compete this year. And I said if their younger players could step up and the older players could provide the leadership and Ruben Amorim continue to show what has been a great year for him as a manager. I mean, he's just done a lot of the right decisions. Europa failure aside, he's made a lot of decisions, right decisions, and they've doing all the right things. And I think if you're a sporting fan right now, you have to be very happy because the trajectory of this team, the direction of this team this year is so much more different than what it's been 
the last few years. And, you know, this is a team, you know, you wonder if not playing in Europa could be a good thing because, you know, they asked Ruben Amorim the other day in his pre-match press conference before Gil Vicente about that. Could it be a good thing? And he said, look, a big club always wants to play in Europe. But when you think about how young this team is, it could be a good thing. It could be a thing where the the players spend more time training than playing and basically take his ideas and learn the way he wants to play because he's obviously been very successful the past year. And that's starting to show in the results. Sometimes you got to take two steps back to take a big step forward. And it'd be very interesting to see in the next few months if sporting could sustain this. And I know there's a lot of tension with the supporters and the president. I know the president isn't necessarily the most popular, but right now things are starting to happen. And I think the decisions that have been made with this first team squad are starting to pay off and they're starting to work out. And, you know, the money that was paid for Ruben Amarin, the 10 million, I think it might be 11 or 12 with the interest because they're paying it in installments. You know, that's looking like a bargain the way things are going right now. Because certainly if these younger players are growing in value with the success of the team, then there's only money to be made in the future, not to mention the fact that they compete for a uh, league of title. So it's still early. But again, if you're a sporting fan, you certainly should feel very encouraged you know, by the early results. Switching gears to Benfica, Luis Felipe Vieira, of course, won another four-year term as Benfica president. Um I know a lot of people on social media didn't want him to win. I, I felt that a lot of people felt that there was a chance that maybe he could lose. But at the end of the day, the final results came in and he won with about 60 plus percent of the vote. But what's interesting is that his nearest competitor, second place, got over 30 percent of the vote, which is certainly far different than four years ago. So I think some of Luis Felipe Vieira's popularity is starting to wane. It's starting to decrease. Um, what happened with the team last year hurt him. He's been accused of some things. That has obviously hurt him. And I think some people in Benfica Nation want to change. But at the end of the day, I think it's safe to say that he got the votes probably from the old timers. And talking to Cristiano Oliveira and some other Benfica people in the know-how, you know, that's probably what carried him over the top and got him um, to win this election. And he gets another four years. He said it's going to be his last four years. And interesting thing that came out of this is there's talk that Rui Costa is probably going to be running for Benfica president in four years. So it'll be interesting to see if, in fact, that's the case. As far as the squad, seven wins in a row. JJ said that the match against Standard Liege was probably their best match they've played since he's come back from Brazil. Much like Porto, probably had a lot of bad luck with the fact that you know they had a short preseason and then they got these players before the transfer window and they don't have enough time to gel as a team. Probably the same thing with sporting, not having a good enough preseason or a long enough preseason, got them eliminated from Europa. You could probably say, say the same thing about Benfica. Short preseason, and then they've got to play the most important game of the, CD, uh, the season in Greece, and they lose. Um, but since then, they've been near perfect. And if they played Pac today, they're going to probably win that match. I mean, Pac is a different team. 
Their Portuguese manager, Abel Ferreira, is going to, has just accepted the job in Brazil with one of the Brazilian giants, Palmeiras. And the reality of the matter is it was just probably a lot of bad timing like it was for the other clubs with you know the fact that the preseason really hurt Portuguese clubs, particularly in this case, Benfica. But since then, Benfica's won seven in a row. Again, potentially could go up eight points on Porto this weekend and uh, you know continue to build the lead in first place. And obviously, they're going to play Glasgow Rangers looking to stay in first place if they can get to nine points. So things are starting to click with Benfica. And one of the reasons why they brought JJ back from Brazil was because they felt that he could do this. And it's starting to happen. Benfica has a Champions League team, like the Polish uh, manager said from the first Europa opponent, Lech Poznan. Benfica has a Champions League team competing in Europa. And I know the way that Luis Vieira has been talking and JJ, it looks like they really want to win it this year. We'll see if they manage to get, you know, if, if they get to the spring and they're playing important matches, if they're still in the competition, we'll see if they feel their best lineup. But right now, things are going very well. And the feeling is, is that this is a competition that they could possibly win. A uh, quick word about Braga. Lost their first two matches of the season. But since then, Carlos Carvial has righted the ship. They've won all their matches in the league at nine points. Could jump into top four this weekend. Won both of their um, group matches so far in Europa, particularly winning in Ukraine. A few years ago, they went to the U- Ukraine in the uh, playoffs and they were eliminated. It's nice to see them this year. And, and I wonder if it's the same team, uh, by the way, that they beat this weekend. If it was the same team that eliminated them a few years ago. I can't remember. But Braga is really turning the corner, and they're starting to play very well. And Paulinho scored. Uh, Niku Gaitan scored in the last match. Orta's playing very well. They've got some you know, players on the team that are doing very well. This is a team that's starting to turn the corner, and that's just going to make the Portuguese Liga more competitive. And again, the goal here is to try to finish top two in the group. And right now, you know, they seem to be in a good position. Big match. Hopefully they could pull out at least a draw against Leicester. Um, you know, that would be something I think if they can pull it off. Uh, also, quick word about Boa Vista. Major disappointment. All these player signings. And they are sitting in the relegation zone in 17th place. Obviously, I know there's plenty of time for them to change it. But they've been a big disappointment so far. Santa Clara, I think, has been a really positive thing. Bastos de Ferreira has been playing uh, very well. Uh, but those are some of my thoughts regarding, um, you know, the Liga. Um, change of uh, thing here now, talking about COVID in Portugal. Um, things are not getting any better in Portugal, but that's pretty much the case the rest of Europe. COVID is exploding again. Certainly that's been the case in North America, particularly in the States. Uh, but particularly these last few weeks, uh, this thing, the numbers have just really been growing. Could it? Hey, look, I, I'm just, I, I know nothing about being a doctor other than taking an aspirin. Um, I'm obviously not an epidemiologist. But is the cold weather in the Northern Hemisphere with the weather getting colder playing a factor? Um, it's just incredible to see these numbers spike the way they have been the last few weeks. And Portugal today, over 4,000 cases, a record. The other day, they had 40 people that died. Um, obviously, all of us, especially 
you know, if you have family in Portugal, like most of us do, it's a lot of concern. But obviously, it's a concern in many parts of the world because it seems like COVID is starting to make a comeback, I'm afraid to say. But in Portugal, they postponed all the sports except the Liga Nors and the second division in football, soccer, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Everything else was taken off the schedule with all the other sports. I read something today that was you know, very worrisome. Um, there's talk of having a lockdown in Portugal in early December if things don't get better. And the thinking is when the political parties met today with uh, the president and the prime minister, I, I can't remember which one they met, but the parties have a meeting with the leadership that there's talk of a lockdown the way they had it back in March and April in early December. And the thinking is, is maybe that will slow it down so that you don't have a lockdown right through the holidays. Um, you know, Christmas is a big holiday in Portugal with the religion that Portugal is with, you know, Catholicism. I mean, it's a very big holiday. And can you imagine being in lockdown during Christmas? But it's a concern in Europe and it's a concern in many parts of the world. And um, unfortunately, Portugal right now is having a tough time. And Gove de Piada, the second division team, has had uh, something like 15 cases and they had asked for their match tonight against Estoril to be postponed and the Liga didn't allow it. And that's going to create some controversy, um, especially when earlier this season, the Sporting Gil Vicente match, you know, when both teams were affected, that match was postponed and, you know, of course was finished uh, this past week. So, um, you know, a lot of concern in Portugal right now uh, about what's going to happen. And uh, I know the, the prime minister and the president are going to be talking this week. So be very curious to see. And then, could this possibly affect a possible stoppage with the Liga? Um, so far, that hasn't happened in Europe, although I know there's been some talk of the French Cup competition maybe halting. But these are very worrisome times. But at the end of the day, obviously, it's all about health and safety. And hopefully somehow in some way that things could start to slow down. Um, I know several American companies are already up to the last stage of the vaccine trials. I know there's a company, I think it's Oxford in England, um, but hopefully in a month from now, uh, or at least in December, you know, we start to see some people get vaccinated if these trials are successful, because uh, that will certainly make people feel better that at some point, you know, in the next months that, you know, and, you know, that people can get this. And by the way, that's not even going to be easy. I read something where, you know, with the vaccine, it has to be 36 degrees temperature in a room, and then you have to give it to somebody within 12 hours and imagine doing that for a million doses. So there's a lot of ch uh, challenges that the governments are going to have to do to, uh, to do those things. So um, a lot of challenges coming. And with winter about to set, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, I mean, I couldn't believe I was talking to someone today that in Boston it was snowing. I mean, winter is coming fast. And unfortunately, COVID is making a comeback. So let's all be safe. Uh, I want to end this podcast quickly by saying that the European Super League conversation came back. And I just want to say that I hope Portugal is a part of the conversation. Had a great conversation with one of my followers, Miguel Mateus, via DM. And he didn't understand my stance and my stance and why I wanted to talk about it, not necessarily on Twitter, but here on the podcast, which is how I like to explain point of views. Portugal needs to be a part of this conversation about being a part of any European Premier League or Super League. If the Champions League is gone, that's a lot of money lost, you know, and Portugal needs to be a part of this competition because that's where all the money is going to be. Um, 
It is better to be a part of the party than to be on the outside looking in. And that's very important for Portugal. And maybe Portugal doesn't have a shot to be a part of the conversation. I know the president of the Portuguese Federation uh, doesn't like the idea of this of this Super League. And he was right. This is a Super League not based on merit about who are the best teams year in and year out. This is a team that's based on history and the namesake. But if this does happen, and it's been talked about for a lot of years, there's a lot of money there, and Portugal needs to be a part of it because if there is no Champions League and the European UEFA competitions loses all those big teams, the money won't be the same, folks. And Portuguese teams can't afford, especially the teams that play in the Champions League, to you know, to have 40, mess, 40 million less to play for every year. It just would be a disaster. So I just want to advocate on the fact that while there's a lot to be said, I, by the way, I don't think this competition eliminates domestic competitions. It would be a midweek competition. You hope that Portugal could be a part of it, but we still need a lot more information. But based on what I know today, uh, it would be very disappointing if Portugal is not a part of it because it means a lot of money lost. Portuguese clubs have a great history in Europe. We've had teams, you know, Benfica back-to-back Europa. We had the Europa final that one year with Porto Braga. A lot of times our teams make it to the quarterfinals. There's a lot of tradition in Portugal. And if they're going by tradition, Portugal deserves to be a part of the conversation. Folks, please stay safe, wear your masks, and I'll talk to you very soon.